Section twelve of A Sentimental Journey Through France and Italy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. A Sentimental Journey Through France and Italy by Lawrence Stern. Section twelve. The Dwarf, Paris i had never heard the remark made by any one in my life except by one and who that was will probably come out in this chapter so that being pretty much unprepossessed there must have been grounds for what struck me the moment i cast my eyes over the parterre and that was the unaccountable sport of nature in forming such numbers of dwarfs no doubt she sports at certain times in almost every corner of the world but in paris there is no end to her amusements the goddess seems almost as merry as she is wise as i carried my idea out of the opera comique with me i measured everybody i saw walking in the streets by it melancholy application especially where the size was extremely little the face extremely dark the eyes quick the nose long the teeth white the jaw prominent to see so many miserables by force of accidents driven out of their own proper class into the very verge of another which it gives me pain to write down every third man a pygmy some by rickety heads and hump backs others by bandy legs a third set arrested by the hand of nature in the sixth and seventh years of their growth a fourth in their perfect and natural state like dwarf apple trees from the first rudiments and stamina of their existence never meant to grow higher a medical traveller might say tis owing to undue bandages a splenetic one to want of air and an inquisitive traveller to fortify the system may measure the height of their houses the narrowness of their streets and in how few feet square in the sixth and seventh stories such numbers of the bourgeoisie eat and sleep together but i remember mr shandy the elder who accounted for nothing like anybody else in speaking one evening of these matters averred that children like other animals might be increased almost to any size provided they came right into the world but the misery was the citizens of paris were so cooped up that they had not actually room enough to get them i do not call it getting anything said he tis getting nothing nay continued he rising in his argument tis getting worse than nothing when all you have got after twenty or five-and-twenty years of the tenderest care 
and most nutritious aliment bestowed upon it shall not at last be as high as my leg now mr shandy being very short there could be nothing more said of it as this is not a work of reasoning i leave the solution as i found it and content myself with the truth only of the remark which is verified in every lane and by-lane of paris i was walking down that which leads from the carousel to the palais royal and observing a little boy in some distress at the side of the gutter which ran down the middle of it i took hold of his hand and helped him over upon turning up his face to look at him after i perceived he was about forty never mind said i some good body will do as much for me when i am ninety i feel some little principles within me which incline me to be merciful towards this poor blighted part of my species who have neither size nor strength to get on in the world i cannot bear to see one of them trod upon and had scarce got seated beside my old french officer ere the disgust was exercised by seeing the very thing happen under the box we sat in at the end of the orchestra and betwixt that and the first side-box there is a small esplanade left where when the house is full numbers of all ranks take sanctuary though you stand as in the parterre you pay the same price as in the orchestra a poor defenceless being of this order had got thrust somehow or other into this luckless place the night was hot and he was surrounded by beings two feet and a half higher than himself the dwarf suffered inexpressibly on all sides but the thing which incommoded him most was a tall corpulent german near seven feet high who stood directly betwixt him and all possibility of his seeing either the stage or the actors the poor dwarf did all he could to get a peep at what was going forwards by seeking for some little opening betwixt the german's arm and his body trying first on one side then the other but the german stood square in the most unaccommodating posture that can be imagined the dwarf might as well have been placed at the bottom of the deepest draw-well in paris so he civilly reached up his hand to the german's sleeve and told him his distress the german turned his head back looked down upon him as goliath did upon david and unfeelingly resumed his posture i was just then taking a pinch of snuff out of my monk's little horn box and how would thy meek and courteous spirit my dear monk so tempered to bear and forbear 
how sweetly would it have lent an ear to this poor soul's complaint the old french officer seeing me lift up my eyes with an emotion as i made the apostrophe took the liberty to ask me what was the matter i told him the story in three words and added how inhuman it was by this time the dwarf was driven to extremes and in his first transports which are generally unreasonable had told the german he would cut off his long queue with his knife the german looked back coolly and told him he was welcome if he could reach it an injury sharpened by an insult be it to whom it will makes every man of sentiment a party i could have leaped out of the box to have redressed it the old french officer did it with much less confusion for leaning a little over and nodding to a sentinel and pointing at the same time with his finger at the distress the sentinel made his way to it there was no occasion to tell the grievance the thing told itself so thrusting back the german instantly with his musket he took the poor dwarf by the hand and placed him before him this is noble said i clapping my hands together and yet you would not permit this said the old officer in england in england dear sir said i we sit all at our ease the old french officer would have set me at unity with myself in case i had been at variance by saying it was a bon mot and as a bon mot is always worth something at paris he offered me a pinch of snuff the rose paris it was now my turn to ask the old french officer what was the matter for a cry of monsieur l'abbé re-echoed from a dozen different parts of the parterre was as unintelligible to me as my apostrophe to the monk had been to him he told me it was some poor abbé in one of the upper loges who he supposed had got planted perdu behind a couple of grisettes in order to see the opera and that the parterre espying him were insisting upon his holding up both his hands during the representation and can it be supposed said i that an ecclesiastic would pick the grisette's pockets the old french officer smiled and whispering in my ear opened a door of knowledge which i had no idea of good god said i turning pale with astonishment is it possible that a people so smit with sentiment should at the same time be so unclean and so unlike themselves quelle grossierte added i 
the french officer told me it was an illiberal sarcasm at the church which had begun in the theatre about the time the tartuffe was given in it by moliere but like other remains of gothic manners was declining every nation continued he have their refinements and grossierte in which they take the lead and lose it of one another by turns that he had been in most countries but never in one where he found not some delicacies which others seemed to want le pour et le contre se trouve en chaque nation there is a balance said he of good and bad everywhere and nothing but the knowing it is so can emancipate one half of the world from the prepossession which it holds against the other that the advantage of travel as it regarded the savoir-vivre was by seeing a great deal both of men and manners it taught us mutual toleration and mutual toleration concluded he making me a bow taught us mutual love the old french officer delivered this with an air of such candour and good sense as coincided with my first favourable impressions of his character i thought i loved the man but i fear i mistook the object twas my own way of thinking the difference was i could not have expressed it half so well it is alike troublesome to both the rider and his beast if the latter goes pricking up his ears and starting all the way at every object which he never saw before i have as little torment of this kind as any creature alive and yet i honestly confess that many a thing gave me pain and that i blushed at many a word the first month which i found inconsequent and perfectly innocent the second madame de rambouillet after an acquaintance of about six weeks with her had done me the honour to take me in her coach about two leagues out of town of all women madame de rambouillet is the most correct and i never wish to see one of more virtues and purity of heart in our return back madame de rambouillet desired me to pull the cord i asked her if she wanted anything rien que pour pisser said madame de rambouillet grieve not gentle traveller to let madame de rambouillet ps on and ye fair mystic nymphs go each one pluck your rose and scatter them in your path for madame de rambouillet did no more i handed madame de rambouillet out of the coach and had i been the priest of the chaste castalia i could not have served at her fountain with a more respectful decorum End of section 12 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey